It takes more than great continuous deployment skills to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering, episode 135. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice podcast for software engineers about non-technical topics. But we do release it every time we record it, so... That's true. (laughs) I mean, I guess there's some lag, so never mind. I take it all back. (laughs) Hey, no, continuous deployment allows lag. It's just, you know, every code change slash audio recording gets released through production. Okay, well, we're doing it. We don't batch them all up in like every six months, you know, ship out 26 episodes. Yet. (laughs) (laughs) It'll Yeah, it'll be our season. We have some patrons to thank. Thank you so much to Matthew Wodowicz, Agile Ventures Charity, Zach Grannon, David Jackson, Nick Cantar, Sean Clayton, and Chris Hogan. These are all of our wonderful patrons who are donating at the level where we thank them every episode. If you too want to be thanked or just to support the show financially, you can go to softskills.audio and click the support us on Patreon button, or you can just do it directly on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash softskillsengineering. I don't know. Click the button. (laughs) That way you don't have to remember the link. (laughs) Uh, We really appreciate your support. uh... (laughs) Sorry, you made me cough. It just occurred to me that you don't donate to your own show. So no. well, how would you know like what the button is? I don't know. Maybe I do <laughs> under an assumed name. Wait. Half of these people are me. <laughs> <laughs> that explains it. I just really want to support Patreon and help them get their cut <laughs> instead of paying for stuff directly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the money that you that you give us helps pay for hosting and editing and design and stickers. And there, there's actually more stuff to pay for because we do a little bit more than just like put it on the internet. Yeah. So thank you. You're responsible for us being slightly more professional. Yes. Thanks very much. This episode is sponsored by Pluralsight. Pluralsight is hiring software engineers, data scientists, and machine learning engineers in Boston and Salt Lake City. Go to pluralsight.com slash soft skills to see what job openings are available. I think we have a comment from a listener to read today. Yes. <laughs> you okay? Do you want me to read it? <laughs> I can read it. This is where you read it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I went off script on accident. Okay, back on script. This comes from a listener named Anne. Anne says, hi guys, just a comment on episode 125 about Slack. You can actually disable the at channel if you are a creator of the workspace or something like that. Just FYI. (laughs) That was the one about chat etiquette. That's right. And this is great unless the administrator has disabled the ability to disable it. (laughs) It just makes me sad. (laughs) But thank you, Anne. So, yeah, because I think Anne just basically obsoleted that entire episode. So thanks. (laughs) Thanks for your help. Yeah. Compression. (laughs) We're going to delete episode 125 from the archives now. (laughs) Just replace it with that comment. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I'm going to read our first question. This is from a listener named Alex. I went to an internal company developer meetup recently. The speaker was really new to the topic they were presenting and shared some incorrect information. I didn't want to correct them in front of a bunch of people, but I also didn't want everyone at the meetup to leave with incorrect information. How can I be respectful to the speaker while making sure attendees are not misinformed? Thanks for doing the podcast. I think it's great. This reminds me of a time when I started at a new company and went to the HR like intro day, you know, like the intro session on your first day. And the HR person made a clearly false comment that I knew was false, even though I wasn't an employee yet, but I knew something about the history of the internet. And uh, I didn't say anything. (laughs) It sounded really snooty. I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. That's okay. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be snooty, but it was something I knew that this person didn't. And um, what I did was I just waited two years and then I asked a new hire if the HR person said the same thing. (laughs) The new hire said, no, they didn't mention that. And I was like, mission accomplished. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) 
Now they're only going to remember that you asked them about it. And we're like, I think they had said something about like uh, liquid internet. That was part of the early history. He asked me a question about it. So I think that's how it worked. Huh. Okay. That's one way to solve it. Yep. <laughs> this is, it's interesting because it's an internal, like I would say at a conference talk, never do this ever, 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 ever. I run a conference and this is one of the primary reasons why we do not have Q&A after our talks is because uh. there's just... It's just a well, actually, just if you get 500 people in a room, one person will be like, my job is to fix all the things they said wrong in front of this group. And then yeah. that that sucks for everybody. Yeah, it does, <laughs> especially the speaker. Yeah, it yeah, it's no fun. I, I guess I can talk about that for a while, but that's a slightly different question. This is more like because it's a smaller group, because it's internal to the company, I could see there being a greater chance that you might want to somehow correct things. I think it yeah. still depends on what the information is, though. If it's like I've been playing with this new framework and like here's the API calls and you call them in this order. And I don't know, it's it's the results of experimentation that's much more informative. That feels like an easier thing to let slide that someone would probably reasonably figure out. If it's about some core internal system and it's like, here are the semantics of transactions. And and you're like, no, that will make us lose all our data. <laughs> like, yeah. There's there's some balance of, of urgency of information here that Maybe there's a point where you you need to gently correct things, but I think you could probably let a lot of things slide, especially if this is more of an opportunity for someone to kind of practice presenting and just show off new things that they're learning that aren't core, like you have to understand this or our business will be in trouble problems. Yeah, definitely. There's a spectrum of, you know, on the one hand, trivial, unimportant misinformation and high severity, take down the system misinformation. And I think I would approach this by saying, to myself or you know trying to think to myself what would happen if someone kept this misinformation with them and used it day to day like what's what's the bad outcome uh, and if that bad outcome is something that is like tangibly and obviously bad then i would go about correcting it otherwise i would just let it sit probably yeah feels like the rules are different for a meeting because it's a presentation it feels like the balance is a little bit more towards uh not publicly correcting someone but if you're just in a meeting and you're throwing out design ideas i think the understanding there is you're you're discussing things you might not understand and you're trying to figure out things that are right and things that are wrong about the ideas. Yeah, for sure. But more, more of a discussion format. Yeah. And especially like project work might come out of a meeting. So you might try and create a plan and then you have to go implement it for six months. And some problem with that un, unrecognized would have longer consequences. But I don't know if it's, if it's something that they're learning, that they're interested in, it, it'd be, especially if they're new to the topic I think it'd be hard to correct them and not have it smush them a little bit. A little smushy. Yeah. You could tell them privately. Yeah. I would I would almost definitely do that, you know? Just imagine, almost approach it as a matter of personal curiosity and just say, hey, I heard you say this. Can you double check that I had a different understanding, but I'm not sure I could be wrong, you know? And then I think it could be a great discussion. Yeah. How do I be respectful to the speaker while making sure they aren't misinformed? I don't know. They're definitely at odds. <laughs> <laughs> um... It probably also depends on how core the misunderstanding is. If if they got some little details wrong, it feels a lot easier to say, hey, like, great job. I understood it this way for these few things. Like but in if, the moment, you mean? Yeah, or, or in Q&A afterwards or when you're discussing mm -hmm. things or whatever. But if it's if it's like a core tenant that they have misunderstood, then you're kind of 
just torpedoing their whole presentation. And yeah, I don't think there's an easy way to do that without making them feel like you're torpedoing their whole presentation. You think it's hard to torpedo someone's presentation without <laughs> making them think <laughs> you torpedoed the presentation? <laughs> you're saying you have secret techniques? <laughs> Stealth torpedo. <laughs> it hits the enemy ship and the enemy ship doesn't sink. Uh, So like a nerf? torpedo or <laughs> exactly just a little nudge <laughs> a nudge pedo i think some of this is a personality thing too because i know that i would not be inclined to do this surprise surprise right dave yeah i, I not surprised at but all <laughs> i think there are people that are more blunt and that are that are more concerned with the absolute facts than people's feelings maybe and they might just be like mm -hmm. hey i think that's wrong and because I have to be in the middle of everything, a part of me thinks like, I don't know, maybe that's okay. Maybe you need somebody to say, hey, this thing is wrong. Um, I would <sighs> say you got to be pretty sure that it's not a difference of opinion. Yes. You're, that you're not saying like, well, I believe that, I don't know, this iteration approach is, is better and you were wrong about suggesting this other thing. If, if it's not a factual incorrect thing, then you're just trying to pick a fight. And that's what meetings are for. <laughs> Fights? <laughs> Yeah, that's when you bring up tabs versus spaces, not in the presentation. <laughs> I, you know, I worked with an engineer a long time ago who you could not give a presentation without getting a well actually from this engineer. <laughs> yeah. And it, it just happened so much. It probably happened, I don't know, 10 times a year, 20 times a year. And I just remember getting so tired of it. And I knew that I would give presentations and I knew I was going to get one of these like yeah. every time, you know, and. And in most cases, it was a topic or like an, it was ancillary to the topic. It was like, oh, I just want to correct, you know, excuse me, just one thing I want to correct here. You know, yeah, you, ha you had a semicolon there. Just want to point out the syntax <laughs> does not call for semicolons there. You know, um, sometimes they were substantive, uh, but they were never gentle. And I, and I realized that it probably created a, an environment that was hard for less thick-skinned people to present in, you know? Hmm. Yeah. So, you got to be careful, I think. And if you're making a habit of this, if it's like every meetup I go to has misinformation that I want to correct. It's not a habit, Dave. It's that you know all the right answers and everyone else just does it. And it's weird. You're just always surrounded by people that don't know the things you know and you got to fix it. I know the odds are against this being the case, but it is the case. <laughs> I don't have a problem. Everyone else is just wrong all the time. Everyone is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, am really i the point. only one seeing this <laughs> so i mean tread lightly I, I would say especially if this is like the 10th time this year that you've had this idea <laughs> yeah maybe keep a counter a little... for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah you have get... a little introspection on it yeah you get like one <laughs> that's a good point um, yeah that's that's actually not a bad way to think of it is like i have a quota not a quota what's the opposite of a quota i have a rate limit of one per year or one per <laughs> one per quarter do i yeah. want to use it for this you know? Yeah. It's, it's like your ultimate ability in a battle arena. It's like, do I want to use it or save it? Yeah. If you waste it on the semicolon, then you can't use it on the... The prod outage. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I disagree and prod outages are bad. Like, oh, I can't say it. I already, <laughs> I already pointed out the white space indentation <laughs> issue. <laughs> there, I think there is some truth to that, though, where you might become kind of a a person who cries wolf. I don't know. Mm -hmm. If mm -hmm. if if you're the one who's always well actualing everybody, it dilutes the effectiveness of your well actuallys because everyone's going to just roll their eyes and be like, there goes Dave again. 
I'm the boy who cried well, actually. <laughs> yeah, the boy who cried well, actually. Yeah. Um, so I, I think just I would want to flip this around a little bit and uh, say, what is it like to be in the speaker's shoes? And quite frankly, when I'm given a presentation and someone does this, I really I roll with it and I like it. I, I embrace it. I take corrections like that. I say, thanks for calling that out. I'll look into that. Appreciate that. You know, and then I'll look into it. And if I was wrong, I'll report it to the group and say, hey, I was wrong. And I've made a habit of this. And the consequence of that habit is that people know that they can call me out when I'm wrong. And I really like that because I do not want to be the engineer who people are afraid to correct. So it's a little bit of a flip side view of this, but um, learning to deal with well actuallys is actually a pretty valuable skill. It's kind of the, there's a name for that rule where you're supposed to be um, liberal in what you accept and conservative in what you send some API principle. Do you know what oh, I'm it's, talking uh, about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the thing that ruined browsers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, strict strict in what you send and uh, generous in what you accept or something like that. Yeah, it seems um, like it applies here where y- you take well-intentioned criticism and encourage it, but you kind of have a pretty high bar for when you think it's worthy of interrupting people in their presentations. Yeah, exactly. And, and actually, that fits the numbers ratio too because the audience you know you might have 50 people in the audience and if everybody only comments 10 percent of the time then you're going to get five well actuallys for every presentation (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah yeah so you have to beat out the other well actuallys in terms of (laughs) relevance yeah my well actually is so much more actually yeah all right have we answered the question i think so good luck alex on to the next We would like to bring you a message from our sponsor for this show, Pluralsight. I knew that I was not great with CSS, but thanks to Pluralsight, I got to learn exactly how not great I am with one of their skill IQ skill assessments. I was not surprised to learn that 50% of engineers are better than me at CSS. Uh, Listen, Dave, I've got some bigger numbers. (laughs) 71% of engineers are better than me at CSS. (laughs) According to this assessment. (laughs) So there's some nifty stuff going on when you take it, besides the shaming it did to me. Um, (laughs) The algorithm adapts the difficulty of the assessment to how you respond. So if if it's too tricky, if you get a lot of answers wrong, then it makes the questions easier and vice versa too. And they're using item response theory, Bayesian stats, machine learning, data science, that kind of stuff. I could tell it was dumbing the test down for me the more I took it. So we're talking about this, first of all, because it's it's kind of cool to uh, learn where you are lacking. But also, Pluralsight is hiring to work on this kind of thing. They're hiring folks to work on machine learning, data science, and engineering. That's right. So I actually know a few people who work at Pluralsight, um, and they say that it's a really great place to work. They have openings in Salt Lake City and Boston, and Pluralsight was voted the 18th best company to work for in the U.S. by Fortune magazine. If you want to check out the open jobs, go to pluralsite.com slash soft skills. That'll take you to a special page just for soft skills engineering podcast listeners. That's P-L-U-R-A-L-S-I-G-H-T dot com slash soft skills. Check it out. Thank you, Pluralsite. All right, I'll read our next question. This comes from an anonymous listener who says, I recently joined a new company as a product manager. This is my first non-development role after five years. It took me a lot of time to get to this role. During the interview, they said I would be involved in development at the beginning to get to know the system and 
not implementing my own features long term. After ramping up a bit, I was able to define a bunch of features, but management kept telling me that they are finding it hard to find people and they want me to implement the features myself. I have no problem doing it for my first project, but I feel this is going to continue and six months from now I will still be working as a developer. I can leave and get another dev role, but I am really excited about the product and I want to continue in this career transition. Hmm. It sounds kind of like getting hired as a manager and then you show up and there's no team. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, we had that question once, I think. <laughs> I think we did. It, it feels similar where yeah. they just, you get to product manage and then you get to do that. Also, <laughs> you get to product build. <laughs> Isn't it the best of both worlds? People always love to complain about the product manager, right? Yeah. Now it's you. Yeah. <laughs> if, if only you didn't have this product manager making you build the wrong thing, you could truly do great work. Maybe that's the inner strife that is really the root of the problem here is, uh, is, is all this so, self-loathing. Yeah. <laughs> my project manager won't get off my back. <laughs> Stupid roadmap. I hate this thing. <laughs> I do that every time I make a roadmap. The next week, I'm like, what moron said it would take two months to do this thing? <laughs> I I hate past week Jameson planner. <laughs> oh, man. You know, that is so true. At the risk of waxing philosophical, I often look back at myself, even last year, and think, I was so stupid. <laughs> and I keep wondering when that's going to end. Well, it already did, because that was past you in your new day. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, when am I going to stop looking back and saying, last year I was stupid? Like, at some point, I'm going to be like, no, last year I was fine, and now I'm still fine. Yeah, that just it just happened. <laughs> Do you hear this noise? That's yeah. the noise that okay. the universe made. I just crossed the bridge, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Now you're smart, and everything you do from now on will be smart. And, and next year I'll look back, back and, and uh, maybe the opposite will start happening. <laughs> last year I was so smart. Why oh, am I no. so dumb now? <laughs> uh, okay, I... Tweaked it, and it's just flat. You will not improve <laughs> or decrease oh, phew, finally. from now on. <laughs> All right. So what does anonymous listener do here? Product manager slash forced into a dev role. Does this seem like a bait and switch move to you? I guess it could be. It's surprising to me that they didn't know that. They have to know, right? It, I don't know. It seems like it could be a bait and switch or it could just be them being bad at this, but bait and switch feels like a reasonable ex expect or explanation. It could also be that the uh, the company decided, okay, we're going to launch this new product and we're going to just hire a completely new team that's going to do all functions. So product manager, uh, technical lead, engineers, we're going to hire all of them. And they got the PM first. And now it's like, well. <laughs> yeah, it could be an ordering thing. It could be, but... It, it could be the project direction changed and there was some new thing that they were going to hire a team for and now mm -hmm. they're not doing that. I think it's been happening for six months. I think you have to tell them this, right? <laughs> you have to say, hey, I was hired to do a product manager role and I'm not doing that. What day yeah. will it happen? Yeah, I, I would totally support that. And that probably sounds really scary because I think as an employee, people sometimes feel nervous going to management and saying, I feel like I've been wronged. You need to fix it. Because sometimes the f they worry that the fix will be, okay, you're fired. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, there's someone who's unhappy about their work at this company. It's one way to solve it then. Just yeah. Like, <laughs> stamp. Don't worry. I made the problem go away. Yeah. So I think that's the concern. But I would, you know, if the company truly is hiring and they want to grow in this area, I wouldn't be wor too worried about that. And I would go after that conversation and say, I was hired as a product manager. It's what I want to do. 
What do we need to do to make that happen? How can I help? And the good news is you have experience as a software developer, which means you can help in the hiring process potentially. So maybe you could jump in there and help source interview, source candidates and interview them and, and build your own team. I would be worried about getting pushed into this and then giving off the perception that everything is fine because yeah. maybe they do need a developer for a year and then later on they're going to need a project manager or product manager. Sorry, that was super offensive to some percentage of you probably. <laughs> but <laughs> and, and then the company will think, oh, anonymous listener moved into development and they're fine and we don't want to disturb them. So let's, let's go, go hire a new... product manager. Yeah, let's hire a product manager. Oh, that would be we, like the worst case outcome. We can't afford to lose anonymous listeners' developer productivity. So yeah, no one knows a new project. <laughs> no one knows the manager. system. <laughs> <laughs> we can't possibly do without their six months of knowledge. Oh man, if you work yourself into an indispensable position, that's like not he, the position you want. Yeah, oh. you just you just cemented it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the that's one of the dangers. I think. I I think you do have to make it clear that you really are pumped about this product manager role and you would like to know when you will get to move into that and i think you have to be open to the possibility that it might never happen that for organizational reasons or nefarious reasons whatever whatever the result is whatever the cause is the result could be that it'll always be six months away and it might mm -hmm. never happen yeah i was able to define a bunch of features but they were having a hard time they want me to implement the features myself i think if worst comes to worst and you have to just leave to get a different product manager role, I think you can start to look at this as an experiment of how to get the most out of the limited product manager time that you have when you're split between that and development. Hmm. So it's kind of a little lab where you get to, in a way, it, it positions you even better because you've been a developer and now you get to see much more directly the consequences of your decisions because you're the one implementing them. Whereas if you just were a product manager, you'd have to go through another layer to get that feedback of, hmm. we decided this thing, how did it work out in practice? So I think hmm. you could spin it as like, and this is why I'm even more qualified for my next product manager role. Hmm. Interesting. Very clever. Way to think on the bright side, Jameson. Thanks. If they ask you, so does that mean you've only been doing half product management and you're half as experienced <laughs> as yeah. you would have been just say what in the world can that be and then hide under the desk yeah or wait. just say what's that over there <laughs> and then yeah. when they when you regain their attention change the subject if you hide under the desk we will come and help you <laughs> we'll be there yeah send us a tweet <laughs> we'll be there <laughs> getting on flight now i'll be there in four and a half hours to rescue you from under that desk we'll create a distraction in the lobby dave kicks the door down he's giving jameson a piggyback ride <laughs> we both pop in what's going on here <laughs> what is that the product manager we've heard so much about <laughs> who's not a developer at all just a full-time product manager <laughs> yeah hmm hmm yeah it's tricky what what about uh, trying to carve out time from other engineers at the company to work on your product? Maybe if you could kind of, uh, you know, at first under the table, try to gauge interest, talk to people, say, hey, I got this cool new product. No one's working on it. Totally greenfield. It'd be really fun. Get a few people interested and then go to management and say, hey, you know, I've got these three engineers. They said they'd be interested in working on it. Could we share time? Maybe do 50-50 with this product and some other part of the product. Hey, you know all that work that they were doing that <laughs> their manager was really interested in them doing? What if they didn't do it and they did this other thing that I want them to do instead? Yeah, I think I think 
going to some kind of management and presenting that as a plan is important because otherwise the knives could come out. It could just be like rogue product manager is trying to steal my developer's time. I think I think that's a degenerate case of product management in some orgs where they don't have any resource allocation power. And so they do just have to go around hat in hand asking people to help build their thing. I like that hat in hand image. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. Doesn't sound very cool. <laughs> it sounds horrible, it but does. it's vivid. <laughs> I like the old timey look, though. Yeah, I'm imagining Please, like wingtip uh, shoes, three piece suit. I have some sprint allocations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> may I have some story points? <laughs> you want more? <laughs> <laughs> Just go build it yourself. Okay. I mean, that's what they're doing. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I. You might just have, you know, here's the thing. As a product manager, becoming a thorn in people's side is actually a very valuable skill. Learning mm. how to like poke and prod the organization to do what you need it to do is really valuable. I mean, That's it, true. obviously it risks becoming that annoying product manager who's constantly bugging you, but organizations have inertia and inertia is the enemy when you're trying to build a new product. So if you learn how to go around and just poke and stab here and there, uh, probably not stab. Let's stick with poking. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Some of my internal anger just leaked out. What you need to do is ambush people. <laughs> <laughs> and and the more you can poke and prod and get things done, I think the better you'll be. So this is this might actually be a training ground for you. Maybe this is an elaborate boot camp that you don't even know you're participating in. Okay, so a year from now, your your boss is gonna pop up and say, "Gotcha! Look how qualified you are for the role now," and hand you a mortarboard and a diploma. You've graduated. <laughs> this is our secret year-long project product. <laughs> There's something wrong in my brain where I cannot say product manager. I know it's weird. Uh, but yeah, that that was it. That was our that was our secret training. You graduated. Just like some college, it includes hazing. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry about that. But here you go, diploma, and here's your team. <laughs> You've earned it. <laughs> They were hiding behind yeah. this two-way mirror the whole we, time. They've actually been building your features this entire year. Um, and we launched the product and it was great. You did it. Uh, that would be amazing. <laughs> if there's all any those, company... That backlog, watch. And then just click a button and then it all goes done. Yeah, finished, 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 finished. Every just story. clicks I... down, yeah. <laughs> And you cry tears of joy. This this would be amazing, but there is literally no company on earth that is that put together to be able to pull something off like that. <laughs> Just not even close. Now I want to do it. I'm raising VC funding. It'll take, I'd say, 10 million, <laughs> and we have to identify the right target, but we'll get them good after a year. <laughs> and we might even have a product at the end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, bonus if you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's how startups the real, work, right? The real objective is a product <laughs> manager. <laughs> Uh, or their life is destroyed. <laughs> they don't trust anyone ever again. <laughs> That's probably true either way. <laughs> oh, well, well, good luck. It's yeah. a tricky situation. It was until we helped. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a good thing you asked us because I don't know what you would have done <laughs> without this gold mine. Yeah. All right. Did we answer it fully? I, I think so. All right. I We're think... <laughs> I think people are pumped to find out where they can get their own questions answered. <laughs> and the answer to that is go to softskills.audio. We have a button on there that 
takes you to our Google form. It's just called Ask a Question. Um, thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please, please tweet about it, share it with people, and we will catch you next week.